You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode being brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Monday, May 17th, and this weekend could not have gone any better for Gonzaga Athletics. Nolan Hickman committed to Gonzaga. Zags swept Portland on the baseball diamond. The women's rowing team won another WCC title. It was truly a fantastic couple of days in Zagville. So today on the show, we are going to recap Gonzaga's baseball series with Portland, and we're also going to reveal the number 18 recruiting class of the Mark Few era as we continue our countdown. But we are going to start, of course, with the biggest news of the weekend, and that is Nolan Hickman. The 6'2 guard from the Seattle area decommitted from Kentucky last month in April after multiple of the Wildcat assistant coaches left the program. There were also reports of him wanting to be closer to home and possibly wanting a better place to develop instead of having the pressure of being a one-and-done player like he probably would have been at Kentucky. Whatever the case is, Hickman is coming to Spokane in the fall. Like I said, he's a 6'2 guard, and he's a pure point guard, and I think that's what makes him different than, say, Dominic Harris or Hunter Salas or Rashir Bolton. All of those guys are mostly better off the ball, but can be the lead guard when needed. But Hickman, he's the orchestrator. He's a five-star recruit by ESPN. He's a five-star recruit by Rivals, but a four-star recruit by uh, 247 Sports. His addition gives Gonzaga the number four recruiting class in the country. They were fifth, and now they jumped into that four spot. And that's without Ben Gregg, who was supposed to be in this class. Uh, he's a top 100 prospect, but obviously he's already on campus, got to play uh, the final three or four months last season. Before we get into Hickman's role this coming season, let's talk about the significance of this. Because a five-star point guard decommitting from Kentucky to go to Gonzaga feels like a sign of the times because that's where Gonzaga is as a program right now. They can sell kids on development. Of course, they've done that pretty much forever, but now they can also sell them on professional careers. You know, Jalen Suggs, he's about to be a top five pick. Joel Ayayi is the combination of both development and about to be a first round pick, most likely. Corey Kispert, not exactly a guard, but at least a wing player. He's going to be a lottery pick. And if, you know, NBA doesn't work out for whatever reason, Kevin Pangos and Nigel Williams-Goss are making bank and are two of the best point guards in all of Europe. So not only do you get to develop and become a professional basketball player, you get to compete in practice against some of the other best talent in the country. Andrew Nemhard is going to make Nolan Hickman better. Nolan Hickman is going to make Hunter Salas better. Hunter Salas is going to make Dominic Harris better. The list goes on and on and on. It is truly going to be an iron sharpens iron situation in the backcourt in practices. The other significance with this is that they broke through in the Seattle area. They've got two Seattle Rotary AAU kids in Caden Perry and Nolan Hickman, and they're right there all the way to the end with Paulo Bancaro as well. Gonzaga has seemingly over the last few years gotten... Uh, a nice pipeline with Minnesota, with Texas, a couple other spots, but they've struggled a lot over the last decade with the west side of Washington. Gary Bell, Corey Kispert, two guys that came from there, obviously turned out to be great players, but they weren't top 50, you know, borderline five-star or even five-star prospects coming out of high school. 
Gonzaga just got two of the best players from that area in this recruiting class. And there's so much, so much talent in Western Washington. If they can start grabbing more and more elite talent from there, they're going to be so good for such a long, 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 long time. Okay, now let's get to his fit for this coming season. He is a fantastic ball handler. He's a really, really good passer. But he also shot nearly 40% from deep this season, his senior season at Wasatch Academy in Utah. He shined last week at the Iverson Classic. ESPN draft expert Jonathan Gavoni was there and wrote a scouting report on him. So I'll read what this says here. Quote, he's always under control thanks to the unique pace he operates. Hickman is one of the more advanced pick and roll players in this class, stringing out his dribble, changing speeds out of hesitation moves skillfully, and getting to the rim and finishing with impressive craft. He looked even better when surrounded by talent, quickly proving to be one of the best ball handlers and passers in attendance. So he's great in the pick and roll, and he's surrounded by elite talent. That sounds like a Gonzaga point guard to me. But the problem is that he comes into a roster with half a dozen dudes looking for minutes, so nobody knows exactly what his role is going to be. Andrew Nemhard, Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy. They're the only three confirmed starters on this roster. Something Hunter Salas is a lock. I totally disagree. He's got some rawness to him. He's absolutely going to have to earn that starting spot. So you've got Hunter Salas, you've got Nolan Hickman, you've got Rashir Bolden, Dominic Harris, you've got Julian Strother. Those five guys fighting for two starting spots and rotation minutes. Everybody knows how much I love Anton Watson, but I don't think he's going to start next to Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. I would be surprised if you saw all three of those bigs together for more than two or three minutes in a game. I think they're going to be much, much more effective with three or four guards out there with one or two of the bigs than they are with three bigs and two guards. So I went through this after the Bolton commitment, but I'm going to uh, kind of go through it again. If you assume Andrew Nemhard plays 35 minutes in all big games, which seems like a very safe assumption considering he did that this year, then you've got 85 minutes to give out at the two and the three spots. Like I said earlier, I don't see Watson or Chet Holmgren sliding to the three very often, or if at all. Uh, So that leaves five guys fighting for 85 minutes, and that's an average of 17 minutes each. I won't even pretend to know what their plan is with all of these guards. I don't know how far along Dominic Harris is in his development. I'm ultra high on Julian Strother, but Brian Michelson didn't sound like he would be getting starter minutes in his interview that he had with Dana O'Neill in the Athletic article. Rashir Bolton feels like he's a lock for at least 20 minutes a game because of his experience and his ability to play pretty much anywhere on the perimeter. I mean, the guy was an all-Big 12 guard for a reason. He's going to play a bunch. He's a stud. So that leads us back to Salas and Hickman, the two freshmen. How fast are they going to adjust to the college game? I guarantee you they're not going to be as quick to adjust to everything as Jalen Suggs was. He was a, a just a total freak of nature. So how they adjust is one question. And then the other question that I have, and this is specific to Nolan Hickman, is how much of this season is actually just a developmental year for him, where he can learn from Andrew Nemhard and take over that point guard reign in the 22-23 season? Is he going to be more developmental, or is he legitimately going to come in and play 20 minutes a game this season? If he is, I mean, who's he stealing that those minutes from? Uh, there's just there's so many questions with this much talent and this uh, number of guards on the roster. But like I said, I think last week. In one of these podcasts, I mean, the coaching staff has a plan for all of these guys. And the guards know what the plan is 
where they stand individually with everything. And it sounds like they're buying into it because they all seem very excited every time there is a new addition. So uh, with all that said, let's try to take a stab at predictions because why else are you listening to this podcast if I'm not going to give you my own predictions? I think right now this is bound to change a dozen times before the start of the season. But right now I think the starters are going to be Andrew Nemhard. Rashir Bolton, Hunter Salas, Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy. I think Strother and Watson will be the first guys off the bench with Harris and Hickman behind them. I do think Mark Few will go with a nine-man rotation unless one of those two freshman guards just proves that they simply really aren't ready at all, which I don't imagine happening, but you never know. In terms of minutes, let's pretend like this is a big game, not the average for a season because... You know, Andrew Nemhart and Drew Tim, you're not going to average 35 minutes a game throughout the season because there's so many uh, blowout wins. So let's pretend like this is a big game. I'll go with this. Andrew Nemhart plays 35 minutes, Bolton with 22, Salas with 18, Chet with 25, Timmy with 35, Watson with 20 off the bench, Strother with 18 off the bench, Harris with 15 off the bench, Nolan Hickman with 7 off the bench. I am in the camp that thinks Nolan Hickman is here to contribute five to 10 minutes a game while getting ready to take over the point guard spot next season after Andrew Nemhart leaves. And I have said multiple times on here that I think Hunter Salas is a two-year player, not a one and done. I also think Bolton is the closest thing to locking up a starter spot than anyone on the roster. Of course, I could be 100% wrong on all of this, and that would not be the first time that I was wrong, nor will it be the last, but that is currently where my brain is at right now. I'm sure, like I said, it's going to change a million times between now and October. That's the the whole fun of this, right? It's a whole lot of fun to speculate for the next five months because that's all we can do as we all have college basketball withdrawals. Okay, enough about all that. Coming up, we are talking about baseball, and feel free uh, to tweet me if you guys have your own starting lineup predictions or minutes i'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that i know there was a bunch going around all weekend but feel free to tweet me after i tweet out this episode on monday morning and let me know what you guys think uh coming up next we're going to talk about gonzaga baseball they swept portland this weekend and it was capped off by a extra inning thriller on sunday afternoon so we'll recap all three games and give an overview of where gonzaga stands with seven games left in the regular season before we get to that, we got to talk about Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and now the NBA and NHL are both in the playoffs. It is the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and promo code Locked On. Okay, let's talk some Gonzaga baseball. Before we get into their three-game series with Portland, one thing that came out over the weekend is that Gonzaga and Spokane is one of the 20 sites being considered to host one of the 16 regional rounds of the NCAA tournament. So four schools are not going to be able to do the hosting, but Gonzaga is in a really, really good spot. If they continue to play like they did this weekend and maybe pick up another big win uh, on Tuesday against Oregon, like they have a legitimate chance 
of being one of the 16 host sites for a regional, which would be absolutely incredible. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on the, the other schools that are potentially up for grabs in those regional rounds that they're fighting with. But for now, let's talk about their three-game series with Portland. Coming off of COVID pause, they played this series without their starting shortstop and leadoff hitter Ernie Yake, and they also played the series without their Saturday starter and designated hitter uh, Gabriel Hughes. It did not matter. They still swept Portland. On Friday night, they came out and they scored in the first inning after not playing for two and a half weeks. They added a run in the second. They added two runs in the fifth. And then they broke the game open with four in the seventh and four in the ninth. They beat Portland 12-4 to in game one of the series. They hit four homers in the game. Two of them came from Brett Harris, who's probably going to be the WCC Player of the Year. All nine starters in their starting lineup had at least one hit. Alec Jacob pitched on Friday night, pitched six innings, gave up three runs and nine strikeouts. That was plenty enough for the win uh, with 12 runs of support. And then on Saturday... Mason Marenko hit a three-run homer in the top of the first to give him a 3-0 lead. They added on two in the third to go up 5-0, and that was enough for the Gonzaga pitching staff. William Kempner started the game. He went four and a third, gave up three runs. And then Michael Spellacy came out of the bullpen and finished the game. He pitched the final four and two-thirds, gave up just one hit, no runs, no walks, six strikeouts. A phenomenal performance out of the bullpen for Michael Spellacy. And Gonzaga won game two of the series, 6-3. to three. Mason Maranko had four RBIs. Jack Maktoff with a couple hits. Tyler Rando with a couple hits. Another well-rounded performance from the Zags. And then on Sunday, it was an absolute thriller. Uh, Gonzaga went up 2-0 after six. And then Portland fought back. They scored one in the seventh. Gonzaga extended the lead back again to 3-1 to one in the eighth. Portland scored one in the eighth. And they scored one in the bottom of the ninth with two outs to tie the game 3-3. Three to three. And then Gonzaga... In the top of the 10th, got an RBI single from Tyler Rando, and then they scored on a failed pickoff attempt uh, to get an extra run. And that run, that second run, ended up being huge because Portland, in the bottom of the 10th, had nobody on with two outs, and it looked like Brody Jesse was going to finish off the game. Well, it turns out he gave up two straight hits and a hit by pitch, and Portland loaded the bases with two outs, had the winning run on first base. And Jesse got Sam Brown, the designated hitter, to fly out just shy of the warning track. Uh, off the bat, it almost looked like a grand slam. Uh, but he flied out just shy of the warning track, and Zaga won the game 5-3. to three. Brody Jesse pitched three innings in relief. I believe that was his the most pitches he's thrown all year. He threw 62 pitches. Alec Gomez did end up starting game three of the series like I thought he would with no Gabriel Hughes this weekend. Alec Gomez got the start. He pitched five and a third, gave up just one hit, three strikeouts, no runs. He was fantastic. Tristan Vreeling pitched twice in this series out of the bullpen. Um, So I don't think he would be available for Tuesday, but we will talk about Tuesday's game tomorrow. Gonzaga has won nine in a row now. They came off a COVID pause. It did not matter. They picked up where they left off. They've won nine in a row. They're 30 and 13 overall, which is incredible. They're 17 and four in the WCC, which is a full two games ahead of the San Diego Toreros who were off this weekend. Gonzaga, like I said, has a top 25 showdown. Just one game with Oregon on Tuesday in Eugene. Then they'll come home and uh, host San Francisco for three games this weekend. San Francisco is in third place in the WCC. We will talk more about Gonzaga tomorrow. The new polls should be coming out Monday afternoon. I believe the newest bracketology should be out as well. So we'll talk more Gonzaga baseball tomorrow and uh, preview the game with Oregon and talk about polls and bracketology.
All right, coming up, we are going to reveal the 18th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. It is 100% a one-person recruiting class, uh, but that one person is one of the best scorers to ever lace up a pair of sneakers at Gonzaga. First, a minute to talk to you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. I finally got a chance to have the salted caramel over the weekend as I was working, and I'm going to be honest, salted caramel is by far the best flavor I've had of Built Bar. So if you're looking for a flavor to get online, I 100% recommend salted caramel. It is unbelievably delicious. It almost tastes like a candy bar, but it's a protein bar, which is crazy. If you aren't sure what you want, you can do what I did and you just get a mix box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And it is, in fact, a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, just a quick recap for those that are new. Over the next month, we are counting down from worst recruited class to the best recruited class of the Mark Fuera. These rankings do include transfers like the one today, and those transfers count from the year they entered the program. Most notable walk-ons also included. Friday was the class of 2018, which had a little bit of pushback on it. I neglected to mention the impact that Gino Crandall had on the Jalen Suggs uh, recruitment. I may have put it a spot higher, but for the most part, I stand pretty much by what I said. So without further ado, let's reveal today's recruiting class, the 19th ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. And it is the class of 1999, the first one of the Mark Few era. And it includes Jimmy Tricko, Jermaine Forbes, Jay Sherrill, Dan Dickow. And unless you were a fan of the very, very beginning of this run, you probably won't recognize the first three names on that list. Let's go through them. Jimmy Tricko left after the first two seasons. He was a bench player. He ended up going to Duquesne, and he ended up having a pretty decent career over at Duquesne. He started all 59 games that he played over there. He uh, averaged 10 points, just over three rebounds and two assists. He was a pretty decent player over in the Atlantic 10. And he is now the principal of uh, Regis Jesuit in Aurora, Colorado. So shout out to Jimmy Tricko. Jermaine Forbes is one of the most successful players to ever come out of London. He grew up in the UK and he ended up coming over to Gonzaga. But the problem was that he was playing behind Dan Dickow. And uh, he just didn't get enough playing time. He was a little bit frustrated with his role. And he ended up transferring. Uh, he went to West Georgia, where he played for two years, and he was absolutely incredible over there. He averaged 15 points a game over at West Georgia. He was uh, an all-conference player. He still ranks as the fourth-best free-throw shooter in the history of the Gulf Coast Conference at 92%. And he was also one of the best three-point shooters, um, shooting 44% from three while he was over at West Georgia. He had an eight-year career playing overseas, and now he is a basketball coach back in the United Kingdom. So Jermaine Forbes didn't work out uh, at, at Gonzaga as much as he had hoped, but he has still had a very, very successful uh, basketball career. He was not the only player to transfer to West Georgia. Jay Sherrill also did after having 
two very unremarkable uh, seasons at Gonzaga. But let's just say that this recruiting class was all about Dan Dickow. We all know his story. He came in after two years at the University of Washington, transferred to Gonzaga. He averaged 19 points a game as a junior. And then as a senior, he was one of the best players in all of America. He was a consensus first-team All-American. He was the WCC Player of the Year. He led the WCC in threes. He was fifth in the entire nation in three-point percentage. He led the WCC in points. He led the WCC in win shares. He led the WCC in assists. He was one of the best players in all of America. And the success that he had on the court led to more and more transfers, right? I mean, he maybe his most important impact is that he was one of the first guards to break out, go to the NBA as a transfer, and his uh, transfer success story basically became a calling card for the program for the next 20 years. He ended up playing several seasons in the NBA, and now he is, of course, a broadcaster for uh, Gonzaga Home Games and also for the CBS Sports Network and uh, ESPN. He also has multiple podcasts, so he's now in the basketball media world after having a very successful uh, basketball career. And it would be remiss of me to not mention that he is the only player in Gonzaga history to hit nine threes in multiple games. And he did one of those, I'm pretty sure, in all in one half. He either hit eight and one half or nine and one half. So shout to Dan Dickow. He is the only person in this recruiting class, another class in 1999, that makes it uh, worth anything. But he was such a star that I put him and this recruiting class in the top 17. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we are talking Morgan Zaga baseball. We will discuss the new rankings that come out on Monday. We're going to preview the showdown, a top 25 showdown with Oregon on Tuesday night. And we're also going to preview the NBA play-in tournament. The regular season wrapped up on Sunday. Several NBA Zags are part of the play-in games. So we'll get to those and we'll also give a whip around of Zags overseas. And, of course, another recruiting class. And this one is full of very, very interesting characters. Don't forget, you can tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, they're talking about the New York Mets and if they can follow in the footsteps of the Knicks and have a playoff caliber season. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave a review with your Gonzaga story. I will read them every Friday on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story or any questions or ideas, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.